0: On this week's episode of the Compete Everyday Podcast, we talk fear, shame, and why high growth, high achievers are going to eventually have to face both. What's up, competitors? Welcome back to the Compete Everyday Podcast. My name is Jake Thompson. I'm the founder here at Compete Everyday and your host for the Compete Podcast each and every week. If this is your first episode or this is your 200th, I'm excited you're here. I'm glad to hang out with you for the next little while as I get to welcome Caleb Campbell. So Caleb and I interestingly enough, have known each other for a while but haven't connected uh, reconnected, I should say again till recently. Caleb was a star football player at Army West Point. In fact, he was the second player in the history of West Point to get drafted into the NFL. We're going to get into a little bit of that story and how he was just a high achiever his entire life, but really switch gears on how that pursuit of high achievement, high growth led him down a dark path. One that eventually he walked away from the NFL fearing that one day if he kept giving into this rage, into this fear, that he would eventually claim his own life. Caleb, today is happy, healthy living in California and helping other leaders deal with fear, deal with shame and the burden and baggage that it comes with. I'll be honest, this is one of the more raw, deep episodes we've had on the Compete Everyday podcast. I I had a hard time Continuing to engage in the interview and not just get caught up listening to Caleb's story, all the wisdom he shared, all the insight in his own journey and how those of us that are high achievers can easily get swept up in this pursuit of approval of trying to have others give us significance and things that honestly can't come from other people. It has to come from ourselves. I think you're going to get a ton out of this episode. I think you're going to be challenged to create space this week to ask yourself key questions on your growth, on your pursuits, and ultimately on your happiness. Caleb does a great job of sharing his story, breaking it down and giving us some actionable tips and things we can start doing today to create those inner conversations that ultimately lead us down a much better, healthier and happier path. Before we dive into this week's show and bring Caleb on, I want to remind you about joining our Compete Everyday community. It's April 1st today, the day the episode's airing, and we have kicked off a brand new monthly challenge in our Facebook community. We've done physical workout challenges. We've done mental toughness challenges with cold shower therapy But this month's a little bit different as we're getting outside of our comfort zone and stepping up, taking on a leadership challenge. Something that, while many of you are still under quarantine, can do every single day. Something that I promise you will plant seeds right now that will create a bountiful harvest in the future in your relationships, in your career path, and in your life. So I wanna challenge you to jump into the Facebook group, take on the April challenge, and see what seeds you can plant this month for the rest of your life. Now, as always, to get in touch with the show, uh, email me at podcast at And a special gift for you listeners this week, uh, feel free to use the code podcast, P-O-D-C-A-S-T at competeeveryday.com for any order this month to get 15% off. That's code podcast at competeveryday.com for 15% off any order. Now, without further ado, I'm excited to introduce you listeners and welcome to the Compete Every Day podcast caleb campbell caleb welcome to the compete everyday podcast
1: jake thanks so much for having me
0: man uh so for listeners you and i connected man it's been at least a decade if not longer due to some mutual connections and the sports and football and Man, you have a very unique story Mm. that I know you've told time and time again, Um, but I'd love to kind of dive in a little bit uh, to your background because you are a very high achiever and then some things Mm. changed in your life that I think create um, some incredible conversation that we'll have today for our listeners um, who are all high, high achievers, pursuing goals, trying to level up within their career and life. And so take us back, you know, 10 years ago, what were you doing uh, what were you in the midst of pursuing? And then let's slowly start working the conversation to today.
1: Yeah, man. Um, that's a big question. But <laughs> it 10, is. Years ago, 10 years ago, what, what would be, you know, I was just getting out of the NFL. Um, you know, the NFL was kind of the holy ground, the, the promised land, as you would, that I've been in search of my entire life or in quest of my entire life, because I was just so convinced that if I could reach that level of performance and success in life, I would find the significance. I would find the acceptance. I would find the validation that I was seeking, you know, to give you a little bit more context of that. It was when I was six years old playing flag football. I remember the memory like it was yesterday. I scored a game winning touchdown. And after that game, I remember my mom just grabbing my sweaty little face that day. And she looked me square in the eyes with the most compassionate look. And she said, in the most innocent way, son, You scored the game-winning touchdown. We love you so much. And what was such an innocent statement, you know, what I actually interpreted, what I actually heard as a a young boy was, uh, when you score touchdowns, you find the love that you're craving, right? And so life really, literally and metaphorically, became all about scoring more touchdowns in my life, on or off the field. And so I was convinced if I could just get to this high level of success, high level of achievement, that I would... I would kind of, I would feel the void that was so uh, apparent to me and so real to me, this this void of looking for love and acceptance and a belonging in this world. And man, I got to the NFL and it just, it brought me to the end of myself. The NFL was an ecosystem that was just enough pressure, right? Because my journey into the NFL through West Point have, On the day of my first contract signing, having to be called back to active duty, having to serve for three years and forego my opportunity to play in the NFL. Um, And then three years later, I get that chance to actually try out again and I make a team. But when I make that team with the Detroit Lions the second time around, it was like, uh, honestly, I played better football when I was in Pee Wee. Um, It was just so much pressure hit me and I was so afraid of failing. I was so afraid. Of putting in all of this effort, because if I put in all of the effort and I came up short, what would that say about me then? How would I find significance? How would I find value? How would I find affirmation in this world? And that paralyzed me with fear. And that began this very self-destructive cycle of just hating myself so much that I didn't necessarily have the courage to show up and give it everything that I got because of that fear of not being enough. And eventually, uh, three years of bouncing around in the league, I realized one morning waking up that if I don't walk away from the game and try to discover who the hell Caleb Campbell really is and figure out the deep inner workings happening at a, a cellular level in my body and in my soul, uh, it was only a matter of time before it was only a matter of time before my parents were going to get a phone call notifying them that their son is no longer with them. And so about 10 years ago, man, was about the time that I said, it's time to walk away from the only life that I have ever known and go figure out what this is really all about.
0: There's a few things about that and, and what you shared. And and one, some of the things, that innocent comment that you said your mom shared, mm-hmm. it's one we, we've talked about a ton on on our parents' podcast, Raising Competitors, about when we praise outcomes versus process Um, and and what that does with kids. And and we don't think anything about it. What I find fascinating and I'm interested if you could share a little bit is you performed at a high level in college. You were at West point, but unlike a lot of division one college athletes, being at West point is a whole different ball game because of your other responsibilities and duties outside of football that a player at, you know, Texas wouldn't have, a player at Alabama wouldn't have because there's a lot more expected not only during that four or five-year period but after that and, and the commitments. And so for you to have, have essentially served, trained, played, served, then gone back to play and then decided to retire and that was kind of that point that you started becoming more self-aware of of where mm-hmm. you were going. How did you either compartmentalize, suppress, handle things at West Point? Because I imagine that's a very high stress environment because of the level of expectations for every single member of that school.
1: Yeah, and so it's a great question. And I was the master at um, manipulation. I was the master at small white lies. I was the master of just doing whatever I could to protect myself, right? Because success and achievement and accomplishments that's, that was my lifeline. That was the way that I found love in life. And so I learned how to really protect that as much as I could from outside variables or outside influences. And so I had no, and Jake, when I told you, when I would tell you that I'm, I was the least self-aware person you've ever met in your life, um, going into like uh, high school in West Point, like I was just so deeply wounded. And the only way because I was so afraid of being seen as somebody that was weak, I was so afraid of being seen as somebody that you know just doesn't have what it takes that would jeopardize or threaten um, my 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 value and my significance in this world that I found through performance. I I suppressed and denied all those feelings. I didn't know how to properly and effectively cope. And rage rage was my outlet. Um, And it got, it would get bad. I've never been in actually a fist fight. Well, almost one time. I really, I've I've never been like actively angered towards other people, but anytime I felt like I was losing control, my rage would come out and that would help me dominate and that would help me regain control of my, in my environment. um, So that I didn't feel vulnerable or threatened to be exposed as somebody that doesn't have what it takes. And so West Point was just a, a season of really survival. It was all about survival, you know. I kind of compartmentalized life into two different dances. You, the first half of life, you have your survival dance, and the second half of life, you have your sacred dance. Um, and it's up to you. It's free will if you want to cross over to the other side, right? But the first half of life usually has to fail you, right? There has to be a moment where you realize that you're missing something. That no matter how much you do or how much you can control, it's just you're out of your league, and it's really surrendering and letting go. And West Point was really the climax of me getting to this epitome of um, control, where I kind of realized that I could control my little ecosystem environment at West Point. But when I got out of it, it was too much for me. When I got to the NFL, it
0: was too much for me. And when you came to that point that you decided to walk away from the game and in reading some of the content on your website, you talk about when you'd moved to Canada and you spent some years sleeping on the basement floor of a pastor's home, when you made the decision to walk away and you realized the path you were on wasn't sustainable or, and definitely wasn't healthy. What did you do at that point? Like where, how did you make the decision to go to Canada? How did you determine what I need to do, but I have to do something?
1: Yeah. I, I, I honestly wish I can't even tell you how many hours I have spent pouring on, pouring words onto pages, trying to put this into a formula. (laughs) Um, but you really couldn't, I just, I, the first thing that I did, Jake, is I got brazenly honest with myself. And, you know, when I got out of West Point because of West Point, when I got out of the NFL, I mean, when I got out of the NFL, I had so many incredible job opportunities, job opportunities that would have landed me six figures within the first you know, handful of months of working. And they were all West Point graduates who wanted to, you know, invite me into the brotherhood outside of West Point and be successful in the corporate world. But I knew I was so honest with myself. I knew that a job was only going to be another football that there is going to be at some point in time in the corporate world that once I reached this high level of success, I was going to, ha- I, w- I had a ceiling over my life, right? I wanted to demonize football. And I think that's what we, we have the tendency to do is whenever we're in these kind of transitional seasons and we find ourselves navigating the you know liminal space and crossing over thresholds, we like to demonize those things that are closest to us, point the finger and place the blame so that we don't look at ourselves. And I was just in this moment of rare honesty I had a moment where i was like i know that there is no job that's going to fill the void on the inside of my heart like i know that there is nothing out there i have to go discover why why is living a significant life why is chasing the more why is doing better and uh being better and achieving more so important to begin with like why can't i just wake up and know that i'm enough why do i have to prove my worth every single day and these were questions just like going through my mind and i said you know what If I'm going to be honest with myself, I've got to to go another route. And I honestly just had such a desire. I didn't know what it looked like. I had such a desire just to find another route. And that desire, and if you look at the spiritual dynamics and the forces and the cause of effect and so on and so forth, that desire is powerful. That desire is knocking at the universe's door and asking for what you really want. It might not look like what you want or what you expect it to look like, but that's really what happened to me. I was scrolling through Twitter one night on my third bottle of wine, and I came across a tweet from a church in Canada that used language about resuscitation and resurrection and the abundance of life and finding the life you're looking for. And they used this language, and it it captured my heart's attention. And I knew in that moment... It was like I went completely sober, and in that moment, I knew that's where I was supposed to be, and I, I tell people that I had the privilege, and I, I, was, I had the privilege of reaching a dream in my life and realizing that it was not enough, um, so I was willing to walk away from everything. Like I, was will, I, didn't need to prove, I didn't need to prove to myself that if I just get to this level of success, it'll be okay. I knew that was a lie. I knew that was an illusion. Um, And so I was just like, I'm willing to do whatever it takes. And so there is this, this one, you have to be brazenly honest with yourself. And then two, are you really willing to count the cost? And I was willing to count the cost. And I said, okay, let's go. The next day I packed my car and I drove into Canada. I walked into this church where they've never met me before. And I said, listen, I know this might sound weird, but my name is Caleb and I really need help. And I feel like God, I feel like the universe brought me here to get that help. Can you help me? And I remember the pastor looking at me and saying, yes, son, we can help you. Welcome home. And that was the beginning of this almost like seven year inner transformational spiritual journey back home to myself.
0: Wow. And so you were, how long were you there in Canada? And then what eventually moved you to move back to the States?
1: Yeah, so I was right across the border from Buffalo, New York. And so literally, it it was a five-minute drive to the border, to cross over the border. So it's Fort Erie, Ontario, right across. You can see Buffalo um, from the house that I was staying in. And I, I was there for about three years of just like, you know, being really just a janitor, a glorified janitor of the church. I started serving on the leadership team. I started helping out you know, the church in any way that I could. And I really just showed up for therapy every single day. They had this like kind of almost, I think like cognitive behavior therapy, meditation um, uh, department. And I would show up and I would just get, and I would go into sessions almost every single day. And then I would work the curriculum. I'd work the system. And, I, and my intention, my sole intention was healing. I wanted wholeness in my life and I would do whatever it took. And a lot of my, my previous life, like people say like everything belongs, you didn't waste anything, you know? Because it was interesting because all of my discipline, all of my perseverance, all of my persistence, all of my willpower translated over into Canada now using all of those intrinsic qualities to show up and to lean in and to do the work, right? There was eventually a season where I had to, trans- I had to, I had to transfer from willpower to willingness right? But that was, that was down the road. And I needed all those intrinsic qualities to show up and do the work. And that's what I did for about three years. And then on the fourth year, actually, the one of the pastor's uh, uh, son and best friend that goes, in, a friend of mine that was at the church you know, he, he came to me and said, hey, I'm going to start a, a marketing agency in New York, in, in Buffalo. Do you want in? And I was like, yeah, cool. Like, I haven't had a job. I haven't made any money. I don't <laughs> know what the heck I'm doing, but I'll, I'll literally watch YouTube and figure out how to become a digital marketer. And so he was a graphic designer. I, I took all these courses to get certified on digital marketing. And so I actually moved over into Buffalo uh, with two other people from the church. And we started this agency. And so we split our time, like literally split our time between trying to run a church, serve a church, serve a ministry, helping people find freedom, and also having this marketing agency. And I did that for you know, a total of about three years and that agency started to grow really well. And I remember just like being like proud of myself, Jake, that like, you know, I, I created something, I learned something, I started over, I, you know, I, I was so convinced that this was going to be the rest of my life and I was okay with that. That's what I had to make peace with. Right. The one defining question in my life is if my life never changes from this moment forward, am I okay? And the answer's always been no, I'm not okay. There's something more, there's something missing. And I tried to answer that question. I fought hard to answer that question to get my heart into a place of surrendering so that if my life really never did change, I was living in this, you know, this, this utter contentment that this is good. This is I'm helping people, I'm making a difference, I'm making a little bit of cash, and I'm starting my life. But it just didn't sit right, man. And I remember sitting in the back of that church about seven years after I moved there. And I was listening to a message and I was just so frustrated because I was so mad at God because I'm like, you left me hanging, man. Like, you brought me out here to Canada, and I, I, my life changed, and I'm thankful that my life changed, but I'm still missing something. Something isn't right. And then immediately, Jake, the same inner voice seven years later or about eight years later that told me it was time to walk away from the nfl the same inner voice that told me it was time to make a big move and i was to move to canada the same inner voice said it's time to leave the church and i was like wait what and i i, I sat there i didn't say anything to uh, to people for about a couple of weeks and then i was like okay if i'm leaving where the heck am i going and long story short i got a dm on Instagram from a woman out here that had a big business. And she says, I love what you're doing, the language that you're using and in, in, in talking about your journey of healing. Uh, can I fly you out to Los Angeles? And I, I would love to collaborate on a project. She flew me out to Los Angeles for three days. Uh, we, we met, we tried to collaborate on a project. We ended up becoming really good friends actually. And on the last day, I took a walk on the beach about at 5.30 in the morning in Venice and had to catch a flight at 9 a.m., And I was walking the beach and then suddenly it was just like this moment of just this sober reality hitting me in my heart saying, you're moving to LA. And I said, what? And he's like, you, I didn't bring you out here to work on a project. You're moving to LA. And so I went back home, packed my bags, said goodbye, tied up loose ends and literally drove across the country and moved to LA.
0: Man, man. And so, so much in there and and (laughs) there's so much. Did I say something actually? what yeah go go
1: i'm sorry to cut you off no um i think everything that we want and i'm just kind of processing this as i'm telling my own story everything that we want really is available to us it really is here right and what is required of us is to really have the audacity to let go of what we're comfortable with, to let go of what we're normal, what we call normal, to let go of things that we deep down know no longer serve us, and actually be willing to walk into the wilderness, walk into uh, this unknown, uncertain territory, and really just count the cost and say whatever it takes, I'm willing to go the distance. Like I look back at those were the key moments of my life. And every single one of those moments, I had what I needed to change my life. And that was just to act on it and not knowing actually which way or how it was going to unfold.
0: I love the timing of what you just said. And especially for those people listening, how incredibly relevant that approach of, of, letting go some of those expectations Mm -hmm. Um, because right now we're, we're recording this. It's the end of March. We're both on quarantine, stay home uh, and normal because most of us are kind of antsy to get back to quote unquote, normal, normal from like last month may never exist again. And -hmm. there's going to be a lot of people that are clinging to that when we're able to go back out of our homes and we start to, to spend time with others again, and I think they're going to have a hard time with that, and whether there's anger or sadness or anything, they're going to have a hard time letting go of the expectation of Absolutely. things going back to what they were, and they're going to miss the opportunity of of the moment of what is and what has changed, Absolutely. and and who knows, maybe what it becomes and and what the new quote normal is is something better. Um, but I love how yeah. you how you said that, and I love the importance uh, of you saying that and sharing that as well. Uh, one of the things I want to ask you about is, is a lot of your work now. And a lot of the things we've talked about today are kind of our battles with shame. Yeah. And, and you and I have talked about kind of off air about, you know, areas of Dallas that we know well and areas of LA <laughs> and, and other cities. It's so easy to get trapped in a, in a negative unhealthy cycle when you're, when you're living with just constant shame because yeah. you're seeking validation and significance from everywhere outside that honestly can't provide it. Amen. What has kind of become your mission, it looks like, on helping people win that battle against shame and, and really start to overcome it in a healthy manner? Um, because that seems to be what you're doing, which is one of the reasons I wanted to connect. And one of the things that I think especially high achievers like the people listening to the show like you shared yourself it's a battle for a lot of us to be accepted with who we are mm.
1: yeah that's that's the journey right there man it's just getting to this place of radical self acceptance radical acceptance of your life here and now and i alluded to it earlier and it's a lot of people think that if i accept my life here and now if if my life never changes from this moment forward i'm not okay but a lot of what we have to get to is you being okay. And a lot of people think that if I accept my life as it is now, my life will never change. But on the contrary, might I suggest that you accepting your life and doing the work of saying, you know what, if my life never changes from this moment forward, I'm okay, actually removes the fear of your life never changing. And once you remove the fear of your life never changing, your life is inevitably going to change. But now you've over you've you've literally transitioned from fear being the driving force behind your life versus love being the driving force behind your life. So you've gone from one camp to the other camp, and and the the former camp fear, it uses shame, it uses grief, it uses insecurities, it uses all of the lack, it uses scarcity, um, and we are able to take all of these. Um, uncomfortable emotions, or we can let's use shame for instance. We can use shame, this fear of never being enough, and we can turn that into a machine of doing more and being more and hustling more. And in the Western world, we have to be so careful because that's praised. That looks like success, but the problem is, is that it's never going to be enough because it's coming from a place in you where you intrinsically believe that you're not enough. So you're spending your entire life trying to prove your significance to the world and trying to do enough so that you can prove that you're enough. And it never works like that, right? We can't put the cart before the horse. We have to deep down believe that we're enough and then we can live a life of contentment and purpose and fulfillment. And so what really happens is for me is I internalized shame, right? I internalized shame and shame became the driving force behind my life. And, I internalized it as motivation. Like, let me show you just how good I am. Let me show you that I am enough. Let me show you I have what it takes, right? And that really played a very pivotal role in my life for a very long season, right? And that's the great thing about fear being, fear is a great motivator. Shame is a great motivator until it isn't. Until you reach these high levels and pinnacles of success where you get there and you're like, it's never going to be enough and I'm gonna kill myself trying to make it enough right and then you have to have this honest conversation with yourself and saying like what is a different route and for me that different route really looked like stopping and asking myself okay if my life never changes from this moment forward am i okay no and as i kind of said that's been the driving the driving force behind my life and then i get to la and i'm still leaning into that question man trying to understand what are the driving forces behind my life what is this what is this And it was only when I got to LA that I realized to bring this full circle, that shame, this shame around my sexuality, shame that I, when I say sexuality, like I grew up in evangelical Christianity, where I was taught that my body is inherently flawed. You know, I was five or six. I remember when I put my hands down my pants, any normal boy would just as a curious little boy. And next thing you know, uh, an adult slaps my hands and says, good boys don't touch themselves there. That's gross. Right? And so the, 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 what I learned about my body is that it's gross, it's flawed, it's broken, right? Even talking about like sex and evangelical Christianity and sexual desires and being reprimanded for having desires and what that might look like in terms of your external actions and so on and so forth, right? So I had all the shame around my body and that I internalized and the shame around my sexuality that I internalized. And deep down, it disqualified me from finding love subconsciously it disqualified me from finding love. And that's why I had such an innate desire to perform and to succeed because that's how I did find love. And it wasn't until I got to LA, bro, one day after about a year, a year being here, I had this moment where after doing, uh, uh, after being so mad at God and so frustrated, I had this moment where I sat down and I was like, Oh my gosh, it hit me. Like, Oh my God, if my life never changes, I'm okay. It's enough. It's really enough. And deep down, I realized that it was enough because I finally realized that I'm enough. And that's what happens. And you talked about like this battle against shame. My, my approach with people and my, my, so a big part of my message is, we are in a battle with shame, but the goal isn't to eradicate shame in your life. We're always going to have shame, right? The goal is to quit fighting it, the way that you think you should fight it what does it actually look like to accept it what does it actually look like to accept it and actually learn how to build resilience around the language of shame become increasingly more mindful and aware of when shame is speaking and when shame is driving your life forward and respond accordingly instead of trying to eradicate it it's showing back up in your life feeling like you're a failure because you didn't do enough to actually eradicate shame right and this is a lot, and I hope you're following me here. This is a lot yeah. of what I talk about from willfulness to willingness. Yeah. Willfulness, when fear is the driving force behind your life, you have this willfulness, do more, be more, achieve more. But when you, that's all fear-based life. But when you transition over to the camp of love, love is all about radical acceptance and surrender. So if I can learn how to radically accept my life as it is today, I don't have to be happy with the way things are going, but I accept it. If my life never changes, I'm okay because I'm breathing and I, I look at all the ways that I'm grateful and it takes work to get there, right? But I'm just overwhelmed with the abundance that's just circling around me and my friendships, my fiance. And like, I might not be where I want to be, but man, I'm so thankful that I'm here. Like, this is amazing, right? And I practice that. I preach to myself every single day. But when you move over into this willingness camp, this love camp, Now it's all about acceptance. Now it's all about surrendering. And that acceptance and that surrendering actually removes the fear from your life. And now your life is propelled forward in a new way, a way where you're going to find satisfaction, purpose, fulfillment, overwhelming peace. And that's where we find the life that we're really looking for.
0: Man, I, I love that. And, and I, I was following you the whole time because I, I'd had the chance. I've, I've been reading a, a number of your posts online and I love the way you write and share that content on Instagram specifically, but all the things you've talked about, you've talked about on there. And, and especially yeah. when I, I love the fact that you talked about the relationships and, and dealing with, with just the body image and shame and things that, I mean, I, I can absolutely relate to those from a, from a similar religious upbringing. The, the story has, has turned quite a bit from where it was 10 years ago mm-hmm. to where it is now. You were in get, you got engaged at the beginning of the mm-hmm. year, I believe. Um, I did. And, and reading those posts about how you talk about that journey, how you talk about that relationship is everything that you've echoed here about, the resilience about, uh, no longer letting that shame run you, uh, and and own you and, and being okay if life never changed, uh, but still accepting the new experiences and, and the new relationships and opportunities. And so, uh, man, this has been an incredibly just encouraging and and eye-opening episode for me and, and I know our listeners. And so I'm, I'm curious just kind of before we wrap up for the people listening that, maybe haven't identified that fear, that shame, but they know mm. there's something there. Like something is gnawing at them. There's, there's something that continues to kind of weigh on them. Would you say it's just a matter of creating space and asking mm. questions? How, how do you recommend people kind of get started on more of that self-awareness journey uh, to see kind of the root of some of these things that, that are unhealthy, that are in our lives that maybe we've had for so long since we were a kid that, we don't really know exactly what it is or why it's this way.
1: Yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head, man. And and, and something that I'm very passionate about is creating a safe space where people can ask questions, especially asking questions that might currently contradict uh, your, your original thought patterns or belief systems or the way that you thought or were taught life is supposed to be or who God is. Um, There just has to be this, this, Deep curiosity about why things are the way that they are. Challenge the status quo in your life. Like if deep down you want more, then that's okay. You don't have to change your life now. You don't have to walk away from your current situation now. You don't have to do any of those things, but allow that desire, allow that curiosity some breathing room and maybe just spend two to five minutes a day of just sitting with those questions and writing down those questions. Right? Answers, we're all looking for answers in life, but answers, if you think about it, really are just closed doors. You have the answer, period. But questions now, questions are an open door that invite us into this house of transformation because it's in the questions that we live in uncertainty, right? We live in the unknown. that's why they're a question. But what we're looking for in life, transformation, finding significance within ourselves, finding value and purpose, all of that happens as a result of transformation. And so questions invite us into that beautiful sacred space of letting go and surrendering and transformation. And so I think my big thing is, man, is just get curious with, with your life. If you want more, that's okay. That doesn't mean you're not grateful. I always deal with people... Uh, that are like, you know, I feel so bad wanting more because if I want more, it feels like I'm not grateful for what I have. And it's just that's just ego talking, trying to protect you from moving forward, yeah. <laughs> right? That's ego just trying to protect you from uh, being vulnerable and putting yourself out there, right? And I think what I'm really passionate about is I'm so passionate about. I'm just here to help you see that you really were made for something more, and in the life that you want is possible. You just have to find the courage and you have to be courageous enough to uh, just to get curious about that.
0: Love that. I love that. And echoes very much. I, I know you reshared recently a quote from Brene Brown, the courage mm-hmm. over comfort, the, the mm-hmm. idea of that. And, and so, man, I love that. OK, so for people that are listening, I, I know we have shaken them more than they've been shaken with a podcast interview on Compete in a while. Where can we find out more about your work? Where can we read your writing? Uh, Where's the best place to connect with you?
1: Yeah, honestly, I'm I'm redoing my website. I'm doing like a whole brand makeover. I feel like um, uh, I've gotten really clear on the work that I want to do in this world. And so I'm kind of reinventing everything right now. So I think the best place is you can either find me on my Instagram, just at at Caleb underscore Campbell, or, you know, my fiance and I just started a new podcast that we're just having a blast with. And it's just called Kara and Caleb. Um, And what I love about that podcast is it really kind of focuses on what I just talked about. And it's all about asking the right questions. So what we do is we, we bring guests on and we ask the guests, you know, these influencers or these thought leaders or these, you know, people doing really big things in life. And instead of asking them for the answers, right. And what we can apply to our life. We ask our guests, what are the questions that have defined your life? And then we dive deep into the context around that question in their life and the transformation that has been a result of that question.
0: Man. And, and the name of the podcast, where we can find it is I'm assuming iTunes everywhere
1: iTunes, podcast, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, everywhere. It's just called Kara and Caleb. K A R A and Caleb. C A L E B.
0: Man, and we will be linking to that on the show notes when the the website redesign is up. Uh, we'll be linking to that as well because you're putting out a ton of value for listeners, uh, helping them on their journey so that they can continue to to grow in a healthy way uh, without the burden of shame and fear constantly weighing over us because that's a, a heavy one to carry. Man, thank you for creating some space in your schedule this week for us and hanging out on the show. I appreciate it.
1: Thanks for having me, Jake. I appreciate the work you're doing.
0: Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of the compete everyday podcast to get in touch with me or the show, email us at podcast at to join our free Facebook community and get connected with other ambitious leaders working to win their work, their workouts and their life. Be sure to visit us at facebook.com slash groups slash compete every day until the next episode. Keep competing every single day because your life is worth it.